here's the good news. Casey is, uh, as, as uh, I think Ed pointed out earlier, today is Loma Vista's birthday quite officially, right? They are, they got planted today. Six that man, four campuses. You realize like this church has, like not even like this building, but just like New City in general has only been around seven years. We've already planted a total of four campuses. That's wild. Like nobody does that. That's just that's just all God. Like that's all that is. So it's just good stuff. Um, so I told you I'm a student pastor, but my main gig is a uh, is a teacher. I teach high school English um, in Kansas City, Kansas, and um, April is terrible. In case you didn't know that, like most people love April. Like they walk outside, it's like, oh, it's not freezing anymore. This is wonderful. Snow's not on the ground. Like I, I don't have to like worry about ice while I'm driving somewhere. It's wonderful. Um, when April happens for a teacher, it's like almost the opposite response. <laughs> like I hate April so much because we don't traditionally get a day off in April. We get, we get uh, fortunately this year they gave me Good Friday off, which is super exciting. So I have this Friday off. But we don't normally, like, naturally get a day off in April, which is whatever. But um, the, the worst part of it is, is grades are always due. Students don't want to be in your class anymore because it's nice outside, so they skip your class all the time. There's, like, state testing. All of a sudden, it's April, and you only have like six months left with your or six weeks left with your kids, and you go, "But I have to do everything still." Um, so, like all of these things come crashing down. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it! It's the end of the year, and I'm not ready for it. So that's April for me most of the time. So my life has been this meme. So Steph, if you want to throw that meme up there, this has been my life <laughs> for the last several weeks. This is fine. Everything is fine, right? And every one of us, we go through this all the time, right? Every one of us has been this person one time or another, right? My favorite part is just the coffee pot, like the coffee cup just like sitting on the table. Like, that is my life. Like, there is always a cup of coffee. I, this, this is how addicted to coffee I am. I have a coffee pot in my closet. At my, at my, at, I'm not supposed to have one because <laughs> that's a fire... Like, uh, what a hazard? Yeah, whatever. I just put it in there. Um, but I have a big closet. Someday I'll show you a picture of my closet. It's awesome. They made me switch rooms this year, which I threw a fit about at first, but then I realized I got a big closet, and I went, I'll do whatever you want me to. <laughs> I also have a refrigerator in that closet. Also another thing I'm not supposed to. I hope my admin isn't watching this. Um, oh, wait, no. This is third service. We don't record this service. I can say whatever I want. is great. Like, watch this. Stinky laundry. I can say that. No one can do anything about it. It's great. Casey's not even going to know. We can make fun of him this service. And he'll never know about it. <laughs> so anyway, this is me, right? I'm the dog. Just like, my life is in flames just constantly. I also have this problem of over-committing myself where I say yes to too many things. Anyone else have that problem? Me. Right? I'm like, I'll do it. Like, I don't have any time, but I'll do it. Like, Thank God I have Pete, my man, because, like, I committed to help him with something. And then he texted me and he goes, dude, you're not doing it anymore. It's like, you're losing your mind. I told my D group, like, the day that happened, I was like, thank God, like, Pete can, like, see through my, like, behind my eyes and know that I've overcommitted myself. Because otherwise, anyway, those of you who are part of, like, our discipleship culture, like, a circle is coming for that to tell you right now. It's, it's, it is coming down the line. It's good stuff. 
Anyway, this is fine. It's all fine. Um, and this is going to be kind of the common theme of, of this message today. Okay. Um, I'm going to be talking about single-mindedness. Single-mindedness is week 14 in the, uh, in the Believe series, which uh, is super exciting because I can't believe we're already 14 weeks into Believe. Because when Casey first told me we were going to be doing a 30-week service, I said, did you say 30 weeks? <laughs> that's, that's like a long time. Are you sure you want to do a 30-week series? It's like, yeah, man, let's do it. So we are officially on week 14. After the week after Easter, we'll be halfway through. That's wild. I can't believe it. we're this far. Single-mindedness is a full attention and direction to one specific thing. Sorry, you can kill the meme now. There we go. It's my fault, because I told, I told Pete to make it a, a, a title slide, and you can't read the text on it, so it's my fault. <laughs> so, um, anyway, single-mindedness is a full attention and direction to one specific thing. Okay? Single, being single-minded is typically a really bad thing, right? You don't want to be a single-minded person. Um, however, I would like to correct that, that idea. You should be single-minded as long as you're focusing on the right thing. Okay. Um, God wants you to be single-minded about him. God wants you to be single-minded about him. God wants you to be rooted in having a heavenly mindset. Right? Several weeks ago, we talked about this concept of, like, uh, of having an eternal mindset, thinking about things in an eternal perspective. And I don't think that these are different things. I think that being single-minded with a focus on God and then having an eternal mindset are the exact same thing. We get sidetracked, however. We become focused on our own selves. We become single-minded about my issues, me. Or single-minded when we look at somebody else and we're jealous or frustrated or we have hatred in our hearts for someone else. Or maybe we're obsessed and I, I'd make an idol of someone else. These are the problems. So I'm going to talk about the solution. So today I'm going to give you three simple tools, steps, okay, to having a single-minded, heavenly mindset. And step one is to realize what you have. All right, so I'm going to read a passage from Luke chapter 15. And let me give you some background to this passage. Jesus um, is on his way to, to uh, um, entering Jerusalem, which happened today, by the way, right? Today's Palm Sunday, okay, um, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 plus years ago, right? Or not quite 2,000 plus years ago, but a long time ago. Um, and he's, uh, he's been, he has this, like, consistent problem with the religious leaders of the time. They don't like him, and he, because he calls them out on their, like, problems, okay? And here's one issue that they didn't like about Jesus. The fact that Jesus was hanging out with people that are, like, really shady, like, at that time it was like tax collectors, um, fishermen, people that didn't exactly live what they considered was a good life, I don't know really what the, the, uh, the tie of the day would be, but probably something like drug dealers and like, I don't know, prostitutes most likely, like, those are the people he's hanging out with, okay, and the religious elite is like, you can't do that, and Jesus says, watch me, <laughs> okay, so, when they come to him and they tell him this is a problem, here's what he responds with. He doesn't full-on like, answer their question or their concerns. He just tells them three different stories in very much Jesus fashion. The first story he tells them is the song that Pete sang today. Okay? It's about the shepherd 
who abandons his 99 sheep on a mountain to search out the one that got away, right? And we call that in this song, reckless love. Now, there's been, like, this movement to, like, remove that word from that song because they don't like the idea of, like, calling God reckless, okay? Here's the deal. If you leave 99, like, it, it literally, your like, if a shepherd abandons 99% of their income to go seek out one, that is a reckless move. I don't care who you are, right? That was a reckless decision for that shepherd to do that, okay? So he tells that story, and then he tells the story of a woman who tears apart her entire home looking for a silver coin that is worth about $20. Again, a pretty reckless decision. And then he tells this story, the one I'm going to read. Okay, Luke 15, starting in verse 11. He also said a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. When he had went, um, or when he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs, he longed to eat his fill from the carob pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am, dying of hunger. I'll get up and I'll go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and he went to his father. But while his son was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The speech he practiced beforehand. But the father told his slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. As he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing, so he summoned one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he is in back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him, but he replied to his father, Look. I've been slaving here many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Sorry, my beard decided to have fun. Look, I have been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you gave me a young... I'm sorry. <laughs> distraction fan. Look, I have been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slattered, or slaughtered the fattened calf for him, son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. 
He was lost and is found. So most people, when they read this passage, want to focus on the prodigal son, right? The one who leaves and comes back. Which I think I could talk about single-mindedness with him. I could build a message off of him. But I think that most of us can probably relate more with the older brother. Okay? So this older brother looks with judgmental eyes at the son that he decided was less than him. But dude, I've been here this whole time. What the heck, man? Why don't I get a big party? Complains about his station, the place he's at. And the father's response is, you already have everything. I can't give you more than what you have now. I don't understand why you're complaining. You should be rejoicing because your brother, right? He doesn't even say my son. He says, your brother was dead and alive again. He was lost and now he's found. The problem was the son didn't realize what he had. The younger son didn't realize what he had. The older son didn't realize what they had. Nobody realized what they had. He didn't realize everything was fine. His single-minded focus was on himself and himself only. He was more concerned about who he was, right? I've been here the whole time. Why don't I have all of that? Okay? There's a, there's a lot of people that I run into that, that like... Let's talk about the, I mean, I mean, I've been playing all this, but let's talk about that youth pastors group. These are, these are the older sons. I deserve this, me, 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 my, my, my. I should get this. My senior pastor doesn't understand me. I have more gifts than he thinks I do. I don't know why I have to preach on the days that he's not. Like, it's stupid, right? Realize what you have, dude. You have everything. God has handed you everything. We are his inheritance. You and I are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. That makes us royalty. <laughs> what are we complaining about? <laughs> it's hilarious. Step two. Be excited about being on the team. Let me tell you a story. You want to put that goofy picture of me up there, Stephanie? That's me. Isn't that wild? That was like 70 pounds ago. Also, less one beard, yeah. I was in high school. This was my senior year in high school. And I was on the soccer team, okay? At this point, I'd played soccer for three years. This was my third year playing soccer. I went out for the team my sophomore year because all my friends were on the team, and they said, hey, it's a real good time. We have a lot of fun. Like, we do it to get in shape for basketball season. Like, you're going to enjoy it. You should come out and play. They tried to get me to do it my freshman year. I was like, dude, soccer's stupid. So I didn't do it. But they finally talked me into it my second year, and I said, all right, fine. I'll go out for it. So I went to practice. My first practice went like this. I, the only part I remember was a drill. So I was super embarrassed because the coach was doing this thing where, like, he kicks off the ball either this direction or that direction, and you have to run straight at him, right? So when he kicks the ball that way, you got to go that way and then kick it into the goal, right? It's supposed to be like a reflex draw or whatever. Okay, so I did that fine. I got to the ball just fine, and I just went and punted that sucker, and it just went nowhere. <laughs> so the coach comes up to me and goes, hey, hey, take a touch. I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't know the language at all, okay? So I, I do a push-up. That's what I think. Like, I missed the goal. Hey, that's on me. Like, push-up. I got it. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, stand back up. Take a touch. Like, when you get the ball, like, play it to your, to your benefit, right? Get it one touch on it and then hit it into the goal. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. 
wow, I'm embarrassed, <laughs> you know, like, because I just got down and did a push-up for no reason. Um, I didn't know the language. I didn't know what I was doing. I was really bad at it. Um, even in my senior year, I was still pretty bad at it. Um, so I played the position of warming the bench. I was really good at warming the bench. Like, so good that, like, I was, like, teaching new people as they came on the bench, like, how to be on the bench. Like, I remember this, like, really funny story, like, the, like, star, like, kicker guy, whatever, like, our, our big shot, like, hot shot soccer player got injured one time during a game, so he had to come off, sit on the bench. He started yelling at the refs, and like, dude, we don't, we don't do that. That's not how you be on the bench. Like, let me tell you how to be on the bench. It's <laughs> not how it goes. Like, you can yell at him sometimes, but only when coach is yelling at him. Like, that's, that's how it works, you know. Calm down, you know. Like, got to teach them the rules of being on the bench. So, I joke around, but I was, I was absolutely a part of that team. I screamed, like, to the point of where I lost my voice almost every game, cheering for my teammates. I cared about where I was. I saw my job as very important. I really truthfully did. That, that sounds like a joke, but it was important to me to be a part of the team. I was all about every second. If I got to be on the field, man, I was just, like, ecstatic. Actually, I was mainly worried about messing up, but, um, look, <laughs> I cared about it. I was really, really all about it. My senior year, like, that went, that didn't go unnoticed. I ended up starting, even though I really didn't have the skills to be a starter, but like, I cared about the team so much that Coach recognized that that's where I needed to be. Um, so this was taken my senior year. Notice where I am, on the bench. Okay. That I cared about being on the team. I was excited. I was just excited to play. I was just excited to be on the field. didn't matter about if I got playtime or not. If I went a whole game without stepping on the field, it wasn't a big deal Especially if we won. Like, I was like, let's go, man. This is what about. Okay. The problem is, with the church in general, a lot of us just have trouble understanding that it's just good enough to be on the team. Okay. There's, a, there's another guy that I know who uh, feels really frustrated about his position in the church right now. Um, he's a friend of mine. He was, he's helping serve at this youth ministry. And he came and told me, he says, you know, I'm part of that youth ministry, but, you know, I could preach circles around that youth pastor. Like, why did that matter? Just to be on the team. That's not important. It doesn't matter if you're better at something than someone else. Just be there. Do what you're called to do. Be a part of it. Don't complain. Don't throw a hissy fit. You're not the most important person in the room. God is, right? It's not about you. It's about a lot of other people. <laughs> people who don't know Jesus, that's why we're there. Right? Because here's the deal. At some point in time, somebody's going to come here. They don't know the language. They don't know how to play the game. But their friends told them it would be a good time. And they're just happy to be on the team. And when we discourage those people, they walk right back out the door. When they see people who've been here a long time, who are just complaining, that's not a good team. Right? Matthew chapter 6. Starting in verse 25, this is during the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has just taught everyone how to pray. And he says, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worry? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, 
the richest land to ever live. Not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. Right? Seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is a blessing. This is a blessing. The passage that may sound familiar to you, the memory verse for this week, is, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. We need to know what those things are. But God is saying he will take care of you, right? That's step, that's, that's step three, right? Realize God will take care of you. He's got your back, period. End of story. Life sucks. A lot of stuff is thrown at us. But here's the promise. God will take care of you, right? I love, here's, here's the blessing for me, right? I'm the kind of person who panics about a lot of stuff. Right? That's clear, okay? I showed you my picture of, of the uh, dog burning in fire, right? Okay, here's the promise. Here's the thing that God, like, here's the, the, the thing, the blessing of this. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. That's from God, right? That's like permission for me. Like, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's beautiful, okay? There's nothing like, like when, when I was in school, writing a paper, for example, slaving over a paper, right? Putting in all the effort I possibly could in, right? And then turning it in. That felt great, right? Because I don't have to worry about it anymore. There's some people who would like panic over like, oh, I hope I get a good grade. But for me, it's like this pastor says, it's in God's hands. I've done everything I can. <laughs> that, that's comforting, right? I don't have to worry about it anymore, Okay. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So that's that's an encouragement. That's the some people like see that as like stressful, like but I have so many things I have to do. I don't know, that's an encouragement. That's some, that's like permission to not freak out about what tomorrow's gonna bring, you know what I mean? It's okay. It's all gonna be fine. God will take care of you. There's a couple stories I want to share with you. And this has to do with just plans. This has to do with life in general. I want to cover them all pretty quickly because I'm already late. But the first one is my story, where I am today. Because when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, my picture for my life was very different than what it became. I was pretty sure that I was going to move to central Kansas to go to school at a Bible university and study worship ministry and youth ministry as a double major, get a degree, and then I was going to like marry my wife, that I meet at college, and then I was going to move to Arizona. Not because I was called to Arizona, but because it was hot there, and I don't like winter. And join a ministry there, whatever. Right? That was the plan. Literally none of those things happened. Right? Okay? My senior year was 2008. It started in 2008. I graduated in 2009. I don't know if you're familiar with the year 2008. I remember it very well because something called the financial crisis happened. Right? And everyone lost all of their money. 
Remember that? Well, okay, so my dad, he's a financial advisor. So he handles all the people who lost all the money. So naturally, we had no money, right? Nothing. And I'm supposed to go to college, right? So we went to go visit the college that I wanted to go to. And they were willing to offer me $20,000 a year for voice and for my academics. Which I'm like, hey, that sounds great. Until we found out that it's 40000 a year to go there. And my parents were like, dude, I can't do that. Like, twenty k a year? It's not going to happen. So I was pretty upset. And I went to a private school that was fairly expensive to go to. And uh, most of my, not most of my classmates, but a large, large sum of my classmates were very well off. And, like, they just lived comfortably, financially, as far as that's concerned. And there was this stigma at my school that if you went to Johnson County Community College, you were going to the poor school, right? So I didn't want to go there. That's where all the poor people went, right? However, I am now a poor person. <laughs> you know, like, what is necessary is necessary. So I went to Johnson County Community College, which, by the way, subtle plug, that's an amazing school, just in case you didn't know. It really is. I'm so blessed that I went there. In fact, my buddy that went to the school that I wanted to go to, he left after the first semester. because He's like, this sucks. And came to Johnson County Community College with me. So that was a great school. Like, I loved it. I loved it there. I really, really did. I had great professors. I had really good friends that I made. Um, I got reconnected with this really cool person named Michaela Naughton. Her name is Michaela C. Walton now, if you can put two and two together. That's my wife, if you miss subtle hints. Um, I became a teacher. Not at all what I was planning on doing, but I can't imagine doing anything else. I love my job. I know I complain a little bit, like the whole April thing. It's more of a joke than anything. It's stressful, but I love my job. Love my job. I wouldn't be there if God hadn't figured out everything for me. Right? If I didn't, like, I tried to do my thing, and he's like, nope, this way. Like, literally forced me into the position I'm in. And I can't imagine it anyway else. Because he understands what I need way better than I could possibly imagine, right? Now, I haven't learned my lesson. Because a couple, a couple years ago, so I'm a teacher, right? In order to teach in the state of Kansas and in every state of the United States, you have to have a license to teach, right? Okay, there's a nightmare with this story, and it goes like this. Kyle's a procrastinator and doesn't do what he's supposed to on time. Also, the government doesn't understand when things have to be had done quickly, right? Because they like to take their time to process documents. So I didn't start getting my license until December of the year I started teaching. That's bad. That's a very, very bad thing, right? Fast forward to February in a meeting with HR, where I'm sitting in the room with all of the other first-year teachers across the whole district, Okay. This meeting is about how to get your professional license, which is the one you get after your initial license, which is the one I still don't have. Right? So literally, this, this meeting is completely worthless to me, and I'm panicking the whole time because the first words out of the head of HR's mouth is, so today we're going to be talking about how to get your professional license. Now, there's a handful of you in this room who still do not have your initial license. If that is you, when this meeting is over, you need to come speak to me immediately and explain to me what is going on. So, of course, I'm sitting here in this meeting going, I'm so fired. I am so fired right now. Just completely panicking, right? So I go up, and I go talk to her, and I, the first words out of my mouth are, so, 
I'm one of the people that's in trouble that need to talk to you. And she goes, you want to explain to me what's going on? I go, well, and I tried to explain to her that the government sucks, and she didn't want to hear that. So uh, basically the conversation was, you need to get this done as soon as possible, and you need to CC me on every email that you have in conversation with the government. I'm like, I can do that. She also said you need to get your emergency sub-license as fast as possible because we might have to dock you down to sub-pay, which is like $12,000 a year less than what I make normally, which is not good, right, financially for me. Um, so on my way home, I'm sobbing, right, just freaking out because my life is over, and um, pretty sure that I'm going to get fired. And uh, God speaks to me. He tells me the words that I never wanted to hear from, from him ever. And that is, oh, you of little faith. Okay. He's trying to tell me, I got this, but you are panicking. <laughs> Trust me, I've got this. So I go to school the next day and I go talk to my administrator, amazing man by the name of Andrew Taylor. He was actually my wife's sixth grade teacher in elementary school, which is pretty cool. So I go explain to him the situation. And he looks at me and he goes, Kyle, you and Michaela will not starve. And he was saying that comfortingly. Like, he, he's trying to say, like, dude, I will pay for food for you. Like, if that happens, like, I got your back. Like, it's okay. And that was God trying to, like, reach out and be like, see, I told you. But I still didn't, like, buy into it. I was still panicky, right? Because, like, this is, this is a nightmare experience. Finally, it's April, the month I hate, okay? And um, finally, I get an email. I got my license, right? God took care of it. I never got dropped to subpay. My my like, since I followed the directions that the HR person told me, I sent her like five emails every day. So there was no question that I was not committed to getting my license, right? So she never came in and docked my sub. She never docked my pay. She never fired me. Whatever, I kept my job. It was all fine. Everything was sunshine and daisies. I never missed a paycheck. Nothing, right? God took care of me. All right. I still didn't learn my lesson though, because a couple weeks ago. Okay, Michaela, my wife, we had to move her insurance, okay, and the only insurance that we could really get on was the government insurance stuff, which, by the way, if you've ever had to sign up for that, it's an absolute nightmare, so if, like, you have to do that next year, like, you should start on it the minute the stuff opens, so then, like, because the government isn't very good at getting things done quickly, right? We talked about this. Um, and uh, so apparently, also, here's some other information. When you enter in your social security information, you have to put your full name. That's really important because I didn't include my middle name and because of that they denied my income and so because of that we couldn't get like the reduced rate for insurance and uh, they sent a text message of all things, not even like an email, phone call, nothing, to Michaela saying hey we're gonna raise your cost of uh, insurance by $140 next month if you don't get us the documents that we need. And so she texts me while I'm at school, and I'm just full-on panic mode now. Like, ah, I can't afford to do that. Like, insurance is already expensive. I can't just afford, like, just, like, here's another $140 every month. Like, that's a lot of money. And I'm just freaking out, okay, having full-on panic attack, right, just like last time. I get in the car, drive home, and I start praying, okay. There is one part of this lesson that I finally learned. Start praying to God. He tells me the whole thing, you know, you little day. I'm like, I ah, get yeah, it, sorry. <laughs> and so then I remember James 1, 2. Okay. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you experience diverse trials. 
that they will help, word for word, I don't remember, but essentially they'll produce endurance in your faith for you, right? So that verse comes to mind, and I pray for the first time, thank you for this. I thank God for the difficulty I was going through. I'd never done that before, right? I said, this is for a reason, thank you, because I know it's going to make me better. Can you put my dog up there again, Steph? So for the first time, and I had to pray it multiple times because I didn't really believe it the first time. But finally, like the third or fourth time that I said, thank you, I believed it. Right? My world is burning down and I could actually mean the words, this is fine, while everything is happening. I actually meant it. And I received some comfort from it. Like I legitimately felt like, this is okay. If I have to pay $140 a month, I'll figure it out. We're going to figure it out going to be fine. If I got to call my parents and be like, hey, can I borrow some money this month? They would be like, of course. I don't want to do that, but I know that someone would take care of me. This is fine. It's all okay. So I say amen, and within half a second, I get a text message from my wife saying, hey, it's okay for everything, it's all right. <laughs> God's like, dude, I got it, right? I told you, I got it, man. But it took me to sit in this heart posture where it's like, I understood it. I had a heavenly outlook on this. What's the worst thing that could happen? I actually burn up in the house and die, become ashes on the ground, right? That's the worst thing that could happen. Now, for everyone else, that's like, that's actually like a really terrible thing. Like, everyone's like, actually, that's like bad because you die and stuff. <laughs> to the world, that's what that looks like. But to me, I understand that I am a prince of heaven. And my dad just takes me home when that happens, right? That sounds like actually like a, a one-up from what I got right now. So like, actually that's like totally cool with me. Like, let's go, turn me to ashes. <laughs> Same, okay. So I use this meme because now, typically people use this meme when like, that recorded. 
nation to conceive. And Jesus came to Zacchaeus and said, Get down out of that tree, come talk to me. And so Zacchaeus came down, had a conversation. Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house.
passions be tried and tested in the holy fire. May you fight for all your life for what is true. I have prayed for you now, all my dear and faithful friends, but what I wish is more than I could ever speak. As the way wanders on, I'll long to see you once again. senior year, the teacher that I cared the most about saying that for me. And it's kind of true in my life. Every step has been harder than before, but my character has grown because of it. And I want that for you.